Welcome to The Leverage Point. A podcast about your development and performance at work. Improvement doesn't have to be hard. Or boring. This podcast is a pragmatist guide to growth, achievement and success. Discover your Leverage Point. I'm Angela Lane. And I'm Sergei Gorbatov. We're researchers and practitioners in the fields of talent, human performance and behavior. And together with you, we'll translate science into Leverage Points. Today, we are happy to have Edie Goldberg with us. And Edie is the talent management consultant with over 30 years of experience helping companies attract, retain, develop, and engage talent. Before launching her own company, E.L. Goldberg & Associates, Edie worked for Towers Perrin as the global leader in learning and development, career management, and succession planning. She is chair-elect for Sherm Foundation Board and most recently a co-author of the book Inside Gig. How Sharing Talent Across Boundaries Unleashes Organizational Capacity. Edie, welcome. Thank you, Sergey. Thank you so much for having me here. And I'm really, I'm young at heart, even though I have 30 years. We, we all are. We all are. Yeah. That's, that's what keeps us going. Edie, Leverage Point is all about how you can get an edge, right? How can you get an edge on your performance? How can you get an edge on your career? How can you get an edge on your leadership? And I think that your book, talks precisely about that. If we think about the inside gig, what is the big idea? Well, it's really about the fact that employees are, are more than their current job, right? You know, our companies tend to kind of box us into this job descriptions, but, you know, all of you people listening, you have past experiences, skills, things that you don't do in your current job that you couldn't do if you had to. You also have passions and interests and other things that you like to do. And companies would be better off by understanding you as a whole person and allowing employees to kind of opt into projects that are of interest to them. So it's really about helping companies to optimize the talent that they have and helping employees to explore new career options and to grow their skills. I remember one of my bosses once told me, Sergey, you'll never do the job that you've been hired to do. Is this something around this idea? Well, in general, we do expect people to kind of do the core responsibilities of their job. Absolutely. But I think, you know, there are all times where there are times when we're flat out for sure, you know, can't take anything else on. There's also times where there's a lull in a project and I could help out another team with some of the skills that I have. Or maybe it's about shifting work around so that I don't do either some of those things that deplete me, right? That I just, the bane of my existence, I hate doing because they're not really my skill set. Um, and maybe we could shift the, that kind of work to people who are good at it or who are passionate about it. And then free up some of my time to do work where I can learn and grow or use skills that I have that I don't. So it's really about how do we figure out how to let employees optimize how they contribute to the organization so that they do bring their full selves to work and contribute where they can. When you say bring your full self to work, what, what does it mean? Every single person listening here, you may have a job today, but you had prior jobs you had prior you have skills and experiences that you do not use in your current job. 
you have interests and hobbies and things that you've been teaching yourself on that side hustle or, you know, gig that you're doing someplace else or just simply your hobby project, you know, like how to fly a drone. And the idea is that you can leverage all of those skills, experiences, passions, and interests to help get really important work done within the company. So when I say bring your whole self to work, I mean all of the skills that you have, not just the narrow ones that you use in today's job description, but maybe you can contribute to a project someplace else in the organization because of skills that you have or interests and passions that you have that you know, working on those other projects would bring you energy. There are so many surveys. Researchers talk to CEOs, big organizational leaders, and they ask them to order rank their concerns. And talent, the shortage of talent or reskilling employees consistently comes at the top of the list. And the pandemic has really brought this into even greater relief. That's why your book is so topical. You know, there are a lot of different reasons for writing this book, and it's kind of uh, interesting. So first off, I've done work in career management for a long time. And I knew that employees have a really, you know, there's a saying, it's a much easier to find a different job in a different company than it is to find a new job in your existing company. And I wanted to help companies and individuals kind of fix that conundrum, if you will. And one of my colleagues on this project uh, was a sitting CHRO at a company called Here Technologies. And she said, you know, I want to experiment with some of this in my company. I want to help my company do work differently. And it was really to address pressing business challenges her company was having, right? They're a tech company. The skill sets in our company were changing really quickly. Her boss was saying, you know, to be competitive in the company, we need to get our projects up to speed and done more quickly. We need to stop relying on so many external contractors because it's really not very good for the bottom line. And so she wanted to experiment with kind of working in a new way. And, and the results the company had in the time that we worked together were absolutely astounding, right? They increased employee engagement. They increased the speed of getting projects completed. They saved a ton of money by leveraging their own internal talent versus hiring externally. And on these projects, people were working cross-disciplinary and cross-geography. So as a global company, you know, I'm working on projects. I'm in the U.S. I'm working on projects with people in Germany and in Amsterdam and in Italy. And it was also cross-functional. And so this was really great. And so we wrote the book really to create a playbook for companies on how to leverage a talent marketplace and work in an entirely new way. But here's what's ironic. We wrote this book before the pandemic happened. We wrote this book during a time of, just like we're experiencing today, really, really tight talent challenges. And we knew about the need to kind of upskill and reskill people. That was the environment that we wrote it in. But then the pandemic happened and it was like the perfect case study for why a company needs to be more agile, why a company needs to totally understand all of the talent that it has so it can pivot and move in new directions and put people on projects that were all of a sudden new and urgent within our company. But in the what happened when the pandemic hit is people went, oh, I need like 50 people on this other project. I have no idea who in my company has these skills. Well, by working in this new way, by knowing all of the skills and experiences, passion and interests your employees have, you can better pivot and move people to the projects that are of most importance. 
This is fascinating. And isn't it a hallmark of a great book that you write it ahead of its time? But if I'm an employee, what's and I, I walk into the Apple store and there is this uh, the, this book inside Gig, how sharing talent unleashes organizational capacity. I'm an employee. I want to be unleashed, but I work in a traditional organization. What do I do? I it's very interesting because whenever I talk to employees about the book, and 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 this is especially true of millennials, they're like, I want my company to to work like that, right? You know, we don't we don't know how to work like that. One is to expose your leaders to this concept about how they can leverage uh, these ideas. But in the book, we talk about what's in it for me. What's in it for me from a manager's perspective? What's in it for me from a company perspective? But also what's in it for me as an employee? It's the importance of kind of looking around and understanding the work that you do in the context of your total business. So just because you're in some one department or function and you're working on one small piece of the pie, if you will, it's really important to understand how the work that you do contributes to other parts of the business because that actually helps you be a better employee. And I think talking to other people in other parts of the business to understand what they do and maybe there are cross-functional teams that you can participate in that you can volunteer for that would expose you to other parts of the company. For most of the people listening to this podcast, your next job just doesn't exist yet. So stop looking up and start understanding the skills that you have and what your company does and what's the next new thing that you might do and how you leverage your skills. And maybe it's about creating a whole new role within a company. But certainly kind of getting exposed to other parts of the business by working on cross-functional projects will really help people to understand how they contribute in bigger and different ways. I love the idea of informational interviews. When you go and you talk to people about what they're doing so that you can learn more about functions that you don't have an insight to. I have a couple of questions around this. And, and first, how do you identify those people and how do you reach out to them? So this is, you know, one of the things that I have to say where technology is fundamentally changing how we can manage careers in a company. Let me talk a little bit about kind of the ideation around this new approach to work and what it does for employees and then talk about, you know, some of the workarounds. But but the whole idea here is that traditionally in organizations, we couldn't do that. We, we just, you know, you ask your manager, like, who else should I get to know? Where else might I apply my skills in the company? And all they know is their own environment, right? That I know my team. I maybe know my function, but that's all I can tell you about how you can apply your skills. And with these new talent marketplace technologies, I can connect to mentors based on the skills that they have. So if I want to learn something about, I don't know, UX design, and I know nothing about UX design, I could connect to somebody leveraging some sort of talent marketplace platform that would say somebody who has skills in this area and who is willing and interested in mentoring others. Technology and artificial intelligence, particular today, allows us to identify 
the kinds of people that we might want to meet up based on the skills that they have or the experiences and connect us within our own company. That's what technology enables today that we could never do before. And so connecting to mentors is one way that I can grow my skills. And so a lot of these new technologies are actually connecting people to mentors so that they can connect to other people in the company who help might help me grow my career. So what do I do if my company doesn't have a performance management system that does this or a talent marketplace that does that? It, maybe your company has a, because we're a lot of us are virtual today, a coffee chat function or Simply, if you're in the office, meeting people in the coffee room, water cooler chat, and get curious, ask people what they do, ask people how they got into it, what skills that they have, how did they learn that? Was it through school? Did they get some kind of certification? But curiosity and interest in what other people are doing is how you're going to find out more about what's happening in your company and how you might apply your skills differently. So open yourself up to other people and get interested. Love it. And I, I love the questions. What do you do? How did you learn that? Uh, any other questions that you found in your experience open others up so that they share more willingly about what they do and what their interests are? Well, I, I would probably ask people, what are you passionate about right now? What are you working on that really excites you? People like to be enthused. People like to talk about those kinds of things. You know, where do you see opportunities? of the new things that we could do that we aren't doing today. So many companies have, I'm sure many people have heard about Google's 20% time. I call it Google's 120% time because it's usually on top of your day job. But, but the idea of Google 20% time is that you take kind of 20% of your time. And by the way, 3M actually was the first company to ideate doing this. And it was 50 15% time, but you can take a couple hours a week, 15% of your time, 20% of your time, and devote it to thinking about how to do something differently in your company. It doesn't have to have anything to do with your job today, but something you're interested in, you're passionate about, how do you innovate something that we do in the company? How do we do something better? There are so many smart people out there, all these employees that are listening, you have ideas about how to do things better. And, and so 20% time is about how do you kind of maybe collaborate with some other people in the company to test out and try these things. So if your company has some sort of innovation time, it's about reaching out to other people and, and sharing your ideas and seeing if people would be interested in helping out, maybe talking to a manager who might support that project in some way. Very often what I hear from people is that they might have ideas, but they have problems with making those ideas visible or making their talents visible to others. Your book, The Inside Gig, is about, okay, how do we allocate talents and skills within the organization so that everyone could flourish and bring their best selves to work. So how do I make my skills, talents, and interests visible to others, particularly to those who make decisions on how projects happen and how work happens in organizations? Yeah, unfortunately, the statistics are, are pretty clear on this, that um, 
something like 50% of managers in general and 74% of managers in low-performing companies resist employees moving to another part of the business because they want to hold on to that talent, right? We all know about talent hoarding. And I think that, you know, here with your boss, you have to really make the case that having some sort of new experience, working on some other project, it'll add value to the team in some way. It'll speed up what we do, add new skills to our team, create a new perspective that will help us get our work done better in the future. Or helping your manager understand that I spend X number of hours in meetings where I'm not actually adding any value. It's just kind of history and I participate in that meeting. But you could just, if I just need to be informed, you could send me the meeting notes and I wouldn't have to sit there for an hour. But I could take that hour of my time and do something where I can add value in a new and different way. And so it's really about selling your boss on how shifting your time optimizes their use of the skills and expertise that you have and your energy so that they're getting the most out of you rather than the least out of you. If you verbalize that to your manager, when a smart manager would always find a way how to frame and position things to the mutual benefit of the manager and, and the employee. Recently, we wrote a blog on, on side hustling, and it was based on a paper that was published last year in Academy of Management Journal uh, that looked at side hustles even outside the organization. And their findings were fascinating. They found that people who do side hustles, so who do extra work outside the organization, their performance is rated higher, not only by themselves, by their peers. So their peers say, you are a higher performing individual because you do extra work on the side. External side hustling aside, I think that um, the, the five uh, pieces of advice that we give to employees who have the side projects uh, would still hold for inside gigs as well. The first pitfall, not knowing why you're doing this. You always need to understand, okay, how does that contribute to my career path? Second, not letting your boss know. Third, doing more of what you do in your day job because then it just doesn't add to your development. Fourth is missing opportunities for positive spillover into your day job. And five, letting the main job performance slip. Hey, you still need to deliver on what you're doing. Over and above those five, uh, anything that you would add or caveat or emphasize? A couple things. So, so first off, I want to give some evidence as to why those people who have side hustles are better employees and perform mm -hmm. better. It's because, and the research bears this out, because I've done a lot of work on research around uh, people who do gigs. People who are engaged in gig work do more self-development than people who work in companies. And so I think that kind of underlies why people who have all these side hustles are perceived to be kind of better employees or their careers growing because they're, they're constantly learning. Like every new project provides avenue of learning. So leveraging off of that, you mentioned one of the pitfalls of a side hustle is kind of doing more of what you do in your day job. Like you're already doing that. Why do you need to do more of that? But I would actually argue that doing the same thing in a different environment or for a different manager can help you grow as much as a whole new project that stretches you in a different direction. 
So understanding how to apply the skills that you have in a completely different context or simply learn. I learned so much from my managers, good, bad, and otherwise, you know, we learn by working with different people. So there are opportunities there, even if, you, you know, often people want us for the skills that we have. So if you're doing work that's similar to what you have, just look for the opportunity to learn, whether it be from other people or how I do this in a completely different context. You also talk about that, that missing the opportunity for positive spillover, right? How, how do I apply this, what I'm doing on my gig back to the job? And I would talk about the importance of reflection as being kind of a more specific point on that. It's kind of, it's very similar to positive spillover, but really reflecting on what you've learned and how you might apply it in a different situation is so important. That you know, I talk about using inside gigs as learning in the flow of work. You're getting important work done, but you're learning while you're doing it. Same thing applies to a side hustle. You're learning in the flow of work, but any kind of training you get engaged in. And this is one of, I think, the biggest downfalls that we all have when we engage in some sort of training is you sort of passively take it, right? Like we sit in that two-day seminar and we listen, and then we go back to our day job. And most of us aren't really actively thinking about how, how what am I going to do differently in the future? Uh, so when I'm helping companies think about career development, I ask them to get much more active in that process. If you're going to go to a training class, if you're going to take on a gig, I want you to go into it with a mindset. What am I going to get out of it? What do I hope to learn? And then once you've had that experience, coming back and saying, okay, now that I've had that, how am I going to apply what I've learned back in my given role? Or what am I going to do differently that's going to help me be more successful? So that reflection is really, really important. You mentioned the 3M, 15%, Google, 20%. Yes, the organizations give opportunities to go and work on a project of your interest. Go and experiment with it. Just play with it around. How many people actually take their companies up on that offer? I would say culture has a lot to do with that. If you are a company where the core of your culture is around innovation and creativity, and you're telling people that you're giving them time for that, they're going to do it. So in companies like 3M and Google, you know, it's not every single employee who does it because it's not every single employee who has some brilliant idea about what they're going to do. But there's a fair percentage of people who actually do that. And it's because it is encouraged by management, not just my manager, my manager says it's okay, but what does my manager's manager think? And what do other managers think? And when engaging in those behaviors is looked upon positively as, oh, that person's going somewhere. They're thinking about the company. They're thinking about ways to improve things. And when that is a really valued activity, I think people engage in it more then, oh, yeah, that's your development time. That makes for a great interview question. You know, when you go through interviews for a job and it comes to that point in the interview when 
the recruiter or the line manager says, okay, do you have any questions? Well, you should ask, tell me about how I can work on a project of my passion or tell me, uh, can I talk to somebody from your team who is doing a side gig or something extra to the job? Yeah, I think simply what what is the company's position on development and development opportunities and what do you do to facilitate development? Because, you know, I want to constantly learn and grow. So what are the opportunities for me to do that? Edie, just to close this off, my last question is, uh, obviously, you've done hundreds of interviews in different companies doing research for the book on the side gigs uh, the, 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 or inside, <laughs> both side gigs and its inside gigs. Uh, on this topic, what is the most common I wish I knew that you hear from the employees? I think it's, I wish I knew how to network better to advance my career, that networking is critical. I think we're right now trying to use technology to overcome the networking issues, to be able to connect people with similar skills or uh, to, to people who have skills where you can pick things up. But it's how you become more efficient in your job through the networks that you have. It's how you get stuff done and how you find out about new opportunities to advance your career within your existing company. So how do I network better? How do I get to know other people within my organization? I think that's a really important question. And yes, we're using technology to kind of overcome our flaws in that area. But I think I'm one of those people, I'm the consummate networker. And there is a lot written out there about people who can build effective networks and how much further it will take your career, both in terms of the opportunities that are presented to you, but also because you can be more efficient because of how you can get things done because of the people that you know. Thank you. Today, we talked to Edie Goldberg, the author of The Inside Gig, How Sharing Talent Across Boundaries Unleashes Organizational Capacity. Edie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Good luck in your career, everyone. That's it for today. Thanks for listening in. Remember that small changes can lead to big impacts if you find the leverage point. So keep asking yourself, what's my leverage point? To continue the conversation, share this episode on social media like LinkedIn or Facebook with a comment or a question to the wider community and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Until next time.